0: Hey, Clearview, we're on vacation this week in Charleston, South Carolina, and I asked a really good friend of mine, a dear brother to me, Mark Rampula, to preach for us today, and he jumped at it. I, I was very, very blessed by how willing he was to leave his church at Southview down in, in Thompson Station, Spring Hill area, and come up and be a part of us. He and Leanne have been a part of that church a long time. He started that church, and, and uh, Mark is, I said, man, be, be all of... Be all of yourself, man. Be, be exactly who you are. Mark is one of the most encouraging and genuinely upbeat human beings I've ever met. He's that way all the time. He's a, he's a true a gift in terms of just the prophetic. He's a He's a unique man, and he's got a lot to say to us today in this church series. So he's been a dear brother to me. Uh, You're going to like him a lot. I can't wait to listen to the podcast myself, so make sure you open your hearts to him. He's got a real heart for the kingdom of God and for people, and you're going to see that today. I feel really like i got to bring a lot of energy now that Jason said that. I am Pastor Mark Rampula. I am a pastor of a church in Spring Hill called Southview Church, and I want to just first of all give honor to my wife who's here with our latest edition But we have 10 kids, and I want to show you a picture of the 10 kids there first so you can see them and you can feel bad for me. (laughs) Probably feel bad for my wife more than that. We're blessed. Look, we got 10 kids, and honestly, like, I'm thankful for them. They're a lot of work. We're exhausted. My wife's exhausted. We've never slept in 10, how many years? 19 years, 20 years we haven't slept. We had one boy, so our oldest is a boy. He's 19, and then we had eight solid girls, like eight girls and I had given up on ever having a boy again, and our latest two and a half months old is a boy. So that can happen for you. For some of you that haven't had babies in 30, 40, 50 years, you could have a baby too. <laughs> Prophesying that over you right now. It's just like, in Jesus' name, I rebuke that word, <laughs> send it to hell. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we, we started our church in our living room. I would never advise anybody to do this. 13 years ago. Because the Lord spoke to us. I came down to Tennessee like a lot of people for music. I'd study music. And I came down here to do music and God flipped it. Anybody, God ever flipped anything in your life before? Have you ever done something? Nobody? Well, okay, one person. Two people? Three. Anybody? Four, five, six? No? Okay. When God flips your life, it's for the best. And I'm so thankful we have some of our elders here, Jody and Mike Norsey. They helped us start the church. They were in our living room in the very beginning. Why am I saying this to you? The reason why I'm telling you this is because one of the things that I was so desperate when we started our church was to find other pastors to fellowship with and connect with. I knew that I could not do this alone. There were things that I was wondering, like, how do we deal with this and deal with this and take care of this? And when I found pastors in the city that I could connect with, it was like life to me. So your pastor is one of those guys. We've now walked, with each, walked together for a couple years now, and I've spent some time with him. And, you know, he said that I'm encouraging. He's encouraging to me. I just want to let you know how great your pastor is. It, it's a big deal when somebody opens up their pulpit. So I just want you to know, like, yeah, you can give him. Pr- Listen, give honor where honors due. He is such an amazing man, and I'm very thankful to be with you guys today. We had a great time in your first service. That service is live, off the chain. Those people were screaming, yelling, hallelujah. They were dancing, and I was amazing. I I, I love that. It was a good service. But we're going to have fun here. Amen? Amen. So turn to somebody next to you and say, we're going to have a good time. Tell them that. Look in the eye. Look them in the eye. I'm going to make you guys talk to each other today. This is what us non-denominational pastors do. <laughs> Turn your Bibles to John 17. I know you have your Bibles cuz you come to church with them. John 17. If you have them, if you're there, would you say I'm there? Okay? That this is takes a little slower than the first service. The first service they had it memorized. Some of you are like Matthew, Mark, Stephen, <laughs> Peter, James. Okay. the work that you've given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Pause for a moment. This is the longest recorded prayer we have of Jesus praying. Jesus is praying to his Father and he's praying on behalf of his disciples. But he's also praying for us here today in 2022. Jump down to verse 20. This is the, this is the core of the prayer. I want you to get this. This is what we're going to launch off today. Verse 20. I do not ask for these only, just for these disciples. No, but I also ask for those at Clearview Baptist Church in 2022 that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them that they may be one. Say one. One. Say it better than that. Say one. one. There you go. As we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Today I want to talk to you about the title of my message is The Power of Unity. The power of unity. Let's pray, Lord. We thank you for Clearview Baptist Church. We thank you for this community. Lord, we celebrate what you're doing here today. And we're asking. Holy Spirit, that you would minister to us, change us, challenge us, encourage us, put us on the road that you have set before us. Lord, I'm asking today that I can get out of the way and that you would speak through me, that everybody, including myself, when we leave this place, we're changed. We're different than when we came in here. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this place and we bless this church in Jesus' name. Amen. Why is unity important? First of all, Jesus is praying it. So it's important. The reality is every prayer that Jesus prays gets answered. Did you know that? Every prayer that Jesus prays gets answered. And so Jesus is praying this prayer right now for us. He's saying, Middle Tennessee, all the churches you got going on in there, I want you to become one. There's something about being unified. It's important. In fact, Martin Luther King Jr., one of my favorites, in 1960, he said this. He said, one of the most segregated hours of the week is 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Now, you can put it all together and realize that the church, 1960, we had a long way to go. I think we still have a long way to go, but we're a lot closer to it than we were before. We are seeing God move in our churches. God is doing something. But how many know that we have to become one? When I moved down here from New Jersey, my wife and I, we grew up in church together. And so she fell in love with me at a young age She just prayed every day, Lord, make him my husband, Lord, please, in Jesus' name. (laughs) She's saying, No. I know, come on, that's not right. We grew up in church together. We grew up in a very diverse church. When I came down here to Tennessee, I was amazed at how many churches there are. There's church on every corner. And I was like, surely everybody gets along, right? And then I realized, no, no, these are different denominations, different flavors, different ethnicities. and You know, we don't really hang with each other. And I was like, Lord, what's going on? And I realized that God wanted to awaken Middle Tennessee. How many know that God loves Nashville? He loves this region. And he has now placed people here. Listen, I've been here. How long have we been here? We've been here for 18, 19 years. 19 years. And now I feel like I'm a. Fit, we're officially southern, right? We're southern. We got a little draw a little bit. Sometimes I could draw it out. We can do those things. And now all these people from California are coming over here now. And I'm getting like a cranky old man now. Like, you know, because in, in, in Spring Hill, we can't barely get through the streets, let alone now. Now everybody's coming. But you know what the Lord told me? He said, listen, stop complaining. I'm bringing the harvest to you. Let me say that again. I'm bringing the harvest to. I'm bringing the people to you. Middle Tennessee, Clearview, we we got a, an opportunity right now to step into something that Jesus is praying over the body of Christ. Make them one as you and I are one. Jesus modeled this with this ragtag group of disciples that he put together. You know, we read the word. I love doing this. I love reading the word because we grew up knowing the word. We did all the word. We did the flannel graphs in church. Remember those things? Remember you put the little Jesus up there and you move him around? Anybody old school? Come on. Come on now. All right, there you go. And, and now we've elevated, thank you, Jesus, to TV and stuff. But back then we, we learned all these stories. But then when I started to learn the context of the story, it came alive to me. Like the fact that Jesus picked really ridiculous people to be part of his crew. Let me just mention, number one, he didn't go find all the scholars in the, in, in the temple. He went and found fishermen ordinary folk he brought them into his crew to change the world and then he did something which if you don't know the history of the context of the region he found a tax collector and a zealot now that's like water and oil you don't put those two together the zealot wants to rebel against rome the tax collector is rebelling against his own people and ripping off the jews to give to rome so you can imagine at night when they would sit around the campfire the kind of discussions they'd get into Now, why would Jesus do this? I think Jesus was modeling something to us. He was modeling that it's not necessarily us go find the people that all think like us, act like us, look like us, dress like us. We need to find people that God has placed in our path that he has ordained for us to partner with, and we need to learn to celebrate the diversity of the body of Christ. So, true unity brings power, the power of unity. I want to share with you two Particular situations, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, where I believe will give context to the power of being unified. If you have your Bibles again, Genesis 11, very beginning, first book of the Bible, Genesis 11. Some of you know where I'm going here. These are two meetings, two different results. And this first one, Genesis 11, is the Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel. People gathering together. Verse 1 of chapter 11, Genesis says, now the whole earth had one language and the same word. There it is again, one language, one. And the people migrated from the east. And they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let's make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and put them for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down. Now, anytime God has to come down, anytime dad has to come down, something's not right. Kids are acting a fool. Dad's coming down. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. And they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Now, I want you to center on this sentence right here. This is key for our, our discussion today. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the people, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. The Tower of Babel. When I read this, I'm thinking, God, what, what were you doing? Everybody was unified together. We're all doing something together. And the reality is, is yes, they were unified, but they were unified in pride. The pride of man. The reality, they said this, let us make a name for ourselves. Let's build this thing, not so we can glorify God, but that we can be like God. So they were unified under the wrong pretense. Now let me say this to you. You can read this later. But Genesis 10 and Genesis 9 describe why they were disobedient to what God had told them. In Genesis 10, God begins to outline all the different descendants from Noah and how they each were together according to their family, their language, their land, and their nation. And then in Genesis 9-1, this is so key, because it wasn't God being mean to humanity. It was man being disobedient to God's commandment. He says this to Noah. He says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And we know in Tower of Babel, they said, "Let's, let's, let's stay here. Let's make a name for ourselves. They were in direct defiance to what God had commanded them to do. So let's parallel that with a dichotomy of sorts. Let's go to the beginning or towards the beginning of the New Testament, Acts 2. Some of you know where Acts 2 is and what it is all about. Acts 2, take your Bibles there, Acts 2. This is the story of Pentecost, another moment where a diverse group of people come together for a reason. Now let me set the stage here for some of you that may not know, Acts 2, all the people are coming to Jerusalem for the feast. They're coming, all different people, all different walks of life are coming to Jerusalem to celebrate. And all the disciples are in the upper room. They're in the upper room now. They're worshiping God. They're 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 singing. They're praising. They're they're praying. And really, they're waiting on something that Jesus told them to wait on. They don't know what this is. It a person? Is it a thing? What is this Holy Spirit that Jesus said wait on? And they're waiting because Jesus ascended into heaven, and left them all alone. Let's just paint a picture for a moment. Can you imagine doing all these amazing things? Jesus is in your crew. He's healing people. He died on a cross. He comes out of the grave. He resurrects. All these cool things. And then he says, oh, by the way, I'm out. And you guys handle it from here. Can you imagine the level of responsibility and fear in the disciples' minds saying, how are we going to do anything that this man did? So they said, let's get together, let's pray. And listen, let's be be honest, they weren't just praying, they were in fear, because they knew. They were being hunted down by the Romans, and they were hunted down by the church. So they're up there praying, kind of in fear, they don't really have anybody else to go to, they're seeking the Lord, and this is what happens in Acts 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. They're similar language, do you see that? And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled. It didn't just say some of them. It didn't say just the holy people, just the disciples. It said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout men from every nation under heaven and at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one is hearing them speak in their own language and they were amazed and astonished saying are not all these that are speaking Galileans how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language. Here we are, a diverse group of people, united under a common cause. But this time, they were united under the kingdom. Not under pride. They're not trying to build their own kingdom. They're trying to extend the kingdom of Jesus. And so as they're gathering, diversity, different languages come forth. Listen, this is an exciting moment because this is why we're here today. If this didn't happen, there would be no Clearview Baptist Church. There would be no Southview. This birthed the church, and today we are... On the the heels, on the, the momentum of what took place in Pentecost in the upper room. Galatians 3, verse 27 through 29 says, For as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Look at this. He wipes out all the stuff. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to the promise. I want you to say this today. We are stronger together. I want you to say that to someone next to you. Look at them right in the eye and say, we are stronger together. I I don't even hear people talking at this point. We are, look to somebody that you didn't pick the first time and say, we are stronger together. And then tell them, I didn't pick you the first time because I don't like you as much as the other person I like. And I mentioned the first time, we are stronger together. Come on now. I'm getting ready to preach. When I step off this stage, that means I'm getting ready to preach. That's how our church knows. We don't have a stage. I just walk around all the time. They know that all the time. I got a lot of energy, as Jason said. We're stronger together. If you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember this. You are stronger together when we're united in diversity in the body of Christ. How do I know that? God placed something in Genesis 11:6, in the story of Babel, in all the destruction that took place, that He placed an answer here that I want you to see and hear. It says this in verse six, "And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. I believe that when the church is unified together, nothing that you propose to do will be impossible." I'm coming down. Nothing that you propose. What I'm saying is, is you want to see God move in miracles? Be unified. You want to see God rescue people from the the pit of hell? Be unified. You want to see a move of God? You got to be, you got to start. It's got to start in clear view first. Listen, I know I've been in church a long time. My wife and I grew up in church, and there's people in church that irk you. Come on now. Some of you know who I'm talking about. Usually named Karen. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I, I use the Karen, and pe- I always feel like there's a, probably a Karen here that's angry at me. It's checked out the rest of the service. I'm sorry, your name's Karen, and people are, you're, you're the greatest. Let me just say that right now. You're the least of these in the kingdom. Anyway, the point of it all is there's someone in the church that gets on your nerves. There's someone that rubs you the wrong way. And I know this from my own personal life in church. It's that person that rubbed me the wrong way that usually is the one that sharpens me to be who I am today. I know that's not a lot of amens right there. That's not a good one. But the reality is, is if you stay in it long enough, you'll see that God puts people in your path to sharpen you. It's interesting when people run around from church to church, right? They're trying to get away from somebody or something. And let me just say this to you. If you're running away from the things the Lord placed you in, you're going to find another person just like that person in the new church you're going to. And you're going to think, I don't understand why this Bob is every church I go to. There's a Bob. I'm sorry, Bob. There's always that person. And God's like, it's not the person. It's you. See, we have this idea in church today that it's all about our preferences, right? Like it's the style of music that I like, it's the kind of preacher I like, it's the kind of, you know, chairs that I like, it's the building I like, it's the, it's the way they dress, it's the way they talk, it's the color of their skin, it's the belief, it's the theology. But really, I believe this. Now, you can debate this, whatever you want, but the reality is I believe that God places you in a family. He leads you to a church. And I wonder what church would look like if we would start being led by the Holy Spirit instead of trying to figure out what's the closest church to our house. What's the... The church that has the service that kind of works around little Jimmy's bedtime schedule. See, I believe that God wants to put people in church today so that we can grow today and become the force that we're supposed to be on the earth today. Young people, you listen to me today. I'm telling you, I just got done speaking to a lot of older people, and they're fired up. They have fire, in and I can tell you right now that there is a generation before you that has seen miracles and God move And younger generation, you need to partner with them. Do not make this about the old and the young. We need a diversely group of people in age, ethnicity, and background. That's the body of Christ. That's the move of God. Let's keep talking about this today. Because the Tower of Babel, I want you to see this. The Tower of Babel, it says that pride built the tower and pride stopped the movement. But Pentecost, look at the difference his promise gathered the people, and his presence started a movement. It's all how you gather. It's all in the purpose. It's all in the why. Why are you here today? Why do you come to church? Why are you a Christian? What is the purpose behind what you do? And I want to say this to you today. If the Tower of Babel is where you're at, God breaks up the party. But in Pentecost, God joins the party. I don't know about you, but you want God coming to your party, not breaking up the party, flicking all the lights and so everybody go home. He wants to join the party. God God is in this place. Alexis, when he ministers and this worship team, first of all, whoever was playing the organ, he's the coolest dude in the whole world. I mean, the guys with the glasses and just playing that organ, man, I'm like, you are so cool. When these guys are leading worship, it's not just so you can spectate and watch. It's so you can enter into the presence of God. I want to challenge you and encourage you, even if it's not your style, even if it's not your jam, it's not your song, it's not about what you want. It's about him. It's about glorifying him. It's about lifting his name above every circumstance. It doesn't matter how you got here, how bad your week was, how bad your day was. If you're having a fight with your spouse on the way, you're here. And at that point, it's all glory to God. Lord, I just worship you through my circumstance. You know what that does? That breaks strongholds off your life. That changes the atmosphere, breaks things open. When pride is gone, we actually look forward to celebrating one another. The church we grew up in it was so diverse. We would celebrate everybody's culture and ethnicity. My wife, she's half Puerto Rican. Man, I get over there and I'm Italian, so we got spaghetti and meatballs. She's got rice and, and plantains. It's like, we, I, I love the div- That's just food right there. I'm sorry, I know it's too close to lunchtime. But the reality is, is we celebrate the diversity of food, but can we celebrate the diversity of worship and styles and understanding and get to know one another and really celebrate what God's doing? We need all people in order to see the potential unlocked. Now, unity, let me say this, is not conformity. And I want you to hear me today because I'm not asking you to be somebody else. Not asking you to, to, to change who you are, but I'm asking you to be who you are and come grafted into the body of Christ because we need Peter's and Paul's. If you study your scripture, you know they rubbed each other the wrong way. But because of them, we have the New Testament. We won't see true revival without all people represented. In fact, if you read your Bibles in Revelation 7-9, it says every nation, tribe, people, and language. John saw a vision, and it was diversity. All people coming together. Can you imagine the songs that were coming out of that? Can you imagine the sound of all different tribes and tongues singing to one Jesus? The amazing power. Why can't we have that here? We pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We can have that on earth. We can see all people coming together for one common cause, to spread the the gospel, to lift Jesus' name high. I want to show you a picture here of something that happened when I was in Israel a few years ago. How many been, anybody been to Israel? Anybody been? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. It's it's an amazing experience. This is me actually in the Jordan River. This is where they, again, surmised that Jesus would have been baptized by John the Baptist. And that's me getting ready to baptize my brother. And if you know anything about Israel, the Jordan River separates Israel from the nation of Jordan. And if you know anything about the hostility of what's going on, the Jews and the Jordanians don't necessarily get along. But what's happening here, interesting enough, all I had to do was swim across the river, and I would have been in another nation. And, but, but the reality is is I'm an American in the river with other Jews, and those are Jordanian Christians on the bed of the other side celebrating people giving their lives to Jesus. I didn't know the power and the the magnitude of what was happening there until somebody explained to me. And I remember as we were packing up to leave, I looked over and they had gone, but they had lit candles on the steps there. And what they were saying was, we celebrate you because you're my brother and you're my sister. Even though our nations are at war, even though we're taught to hate one another, because of Christ, we are now brothers and sisters. And I'll never forget this image here today. Because what that spoke to me was, is we got to get out of this idea that it's all about the Western church, the Western culture, because God is so much bigger than any culture or kingdom. He outlasts every kingdom on this earth, and he will outlast every kingdom to come. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, I'm preaching right here. You can shout amen if you want, but he will never be outdated. He is always in control. So even though you may feel like the world is caving in, even though you may feel like our nation is divided the church is the hope oh there you go the church is the hope and if we get unified watch and see what we can do i'm telling you right now middle tennessee is primed for this i know your pastor I mean, he brought me in. Look, I got my pants like this. He don't wear stuff like this. He brought me in because he wants me to fire you up. And listen, I want you to know that I believe in your pastor. I believe in what God's doing here because you have a kingdom-minded pastor who's not just concerned about you. He loves you, but he's concerned about the body of Christ. And there's more pastors like this. People that have been here a lot longer than me, they're saying, you know what? Something's happening. Something's happening in Middle Tennessee. God's bringing the church together. And I'm telling you, when we start to see what it looks like in the natural, we will be blown away at what takes place in the supernatural. Enemy does not want you to understand this message. He does not want you to walk in this because he knows nothing will be impossible for you. So I want to give you four unifying points, four unifying points. You can write these down, four ways that we unify together. Number one, we're unified over the gospel. You can see I put on there the theology battle because how many know that many times churches are started over disagreements of the word of God? So, like, when we come together, I'm not interested in coming together with you because, like, we're gonna pick on the, the the gifts of the Spirit or or nuances of the thing, whether you know eschatology, end times, thoughts, and and or or even like are once saved, always saved. All these nuances. The reality is, is I can partner with you if you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and there's no other way to the Father except through the Son. We can start there. See, the reality is, is we've had theologians much smarter than anyone in this room that have been. Deb- Debating these things for centuries, decades, why do we think all of a sudden that we're gonna figure it out? And our church has, I've already told our church, listen, I'm gonna miss something. Pastor Jason's gonna miss something because we're trying to understand the word of God with a simple human mind, trying to comprehend the things of a supernatural God. We don't intentionally get it wrong, but every one of us, when we get to heaven, I believe there's gonna be moments where we're gonna go, oh, yeah, Jesus, I thought I got it right on there, but I really didn't understand all that scripture that well. But you know what? Guess what? We can walk with one another, and even though we may not agree in every little nuance, we can unify over the gospel. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Let's just say this. His word is truth. His word is truth. Number two, unified with a purpose. The higher request. John 17, Jesus says, the glory that you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. When you unify the body of Christ, you release the glory of Christ. God wants to release his glory on this earth. He wants his glory to come through, and it's not through our government, it's not through organizations, it's not through people's ideas and and performances, it's through the body of Christ. When we unify together, we come together under a purpose, and that is a higher request, that the glory that Jesus was given to God, by God, will now be given to us to demonstrate demonstrate to this world. Amen? Amen. Unified with a purpose. Number three, unified against a common enemy. I call this the diversion tactic. Do you know that the enemy is trying to divert you to focus all your energy and frustration on other things? He wants you to believe that he ain't at work. He wants you to think that you know, that, that, that really it's you, you're wrestling against the, the people in your, in, your, in your church or the community that you're in. But scripture says in Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers and rulers. Things that we don't see. Let me say this to you today. The things you don't see are affecting the things that you see. The supernatural world actually has more power and more buy-in to what we're seeing in the natural so, we got to stop fighting against one another and actually start fighting against the principalities and powers that are trying to distract the church. People are splitting off churches. People are getting hurt by pastors. People are going from one church to another with real church hurt. I'm not minimizing the church hurt, but what I am saying is we got to let go of it and we got to walk in forgiveness because every time we take unforgiveness with us to another church, every time we get bitter against someone else, we are allowing the enemy to divert us from the power. That he knows we have because he knows scripture says nothing will be impossible for you. We gotta come together. John 17, 15 says, I do not ask. Jesus is saying, Don't take Clearview Baptists out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. It's not your time to check out, it's your time to check in. Let's go. Some of you need to start praying in the spirit. Some of you need to start beginning to cast out demons. Listen, some of you are like, oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, the reality is, is if you don't believe in demons, they still exist. It's all throughout scripture. Angels, they're on our behalf. We can pray them into action. We can believe and, and begin to send assignments. God, I pray healing over people. I want to see Clearview Baptist pray for sick people and they get instantaneously healed. Who wants to see that? Has anyone seen a miracle in this church? Raise your hand if you've seen a miracle. Not enough for me. I need, I need every hand raised right now. Like I'm telling you, I want to see every one of you be part of a miracle. It's not just something that happened in the New Testament. It's something that's happening today. I'm a living, breathing miracle. I see miracles all the time. We had a, we had a moment where we were gathering together with another church in our city doing worship and prayer. And we just came together. We had never come together. And, you, you know, as a band coming together, you mix the band together. All sorts of headaches could happen. But as soon as we started playing, there was unity in the band. That, that's a that's a Holy Spirit thing right there. We started playing and worshiping. And we started praying over people in the community, in the service. There was a man in a wheelchair that had not gotten out of his wheelchair unassisted, walked unassisted for 10 years. He got out of his wheelchair, walked up and down the aisle, walked to his car. He was so elated. His wife was speaking. Speechless. Couldn't understand what was happening. How was my husband walking? And I'll tell you right now, it was because of what was happening in the room. The spirit of God was there. Unity brings the presence. The presence of God comes and people get healed. Amen. Don't let the enemy distract you. Don't get distracted by things of this world. Be kingdom focused. Number four, unified. This is the last one in the heavenly Kingdom mandate. I call this the foreigner mindset only because John 15, 19 says, Jesus says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as his own, but because you are not of this world, you're foreigners, you're aliens. I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. That's why the world hates the church right now. Have you ever noticed, you listen to the news any length of time, now the church is getting blamed for everything that's going wrong? What happened? How did this happen? Well, I believe there's a couple reasons. Number one... The enemy wants you to be silent. Don't be silent, church. Church, don't be silent. Don't be silent. Don't be intimidated. You have a heavenly kingdom mandate. You are not of this world. I want you to hear this. I might ruffle some feathers here, but I got to deliver this today. We are not to take up the cause of this world and its leaders. Remember that we are always kingdom-minded, not politically or media-driven. We cannot get more motivated by the earthly kingdom that we forget we are sons and daughters of God. And I'm going to say this to you today. When we equate God's kingdom to a worldly governmental structure, we grossly cheapen the gospel. When we begin to equate God's kingdom with a political party, God is so much bigger than a political party. Let me just tell you that right now. God is so much bigger than what our nation is demonstrating right now. We are trying to make the kingdom fit within our own confines when God says we have a heavenly Kingdom mandate your prayer. My prayer is Jesus's prayer his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven How do we get it there through us? You are a conduit to his kingdom. You are a conduit of healing You are a conduit of freedom. You are a conduit of breakthrough. You can transform a city It has to start with you first Revival is not a camp meeting under a tent. It's your heart being revived for the things of God. It's you wakening up To saying, no matter what happens today, God, I'm about your business. No matter how my marriage looks, I believe that you can redeem it. No matter how long it takes, I believe my son, my daughter, my uncle, my dad will come back and cry out to Jesus to save him. I'm believing. You're believing. There's people in this room believing for miracles, and you cannot stop believing. We must come together as the church to encourage one another and say his gospel, his kingdom is bigger in any circumstances surrounding us right now. Unity is not an option. It's mandatory. I know your pastor. I know he, he wants the body of Christ unified. I, I think it's funny sometimes we have these giant, beautiful churches on corners, and they don't even talk to one another. It's got to change. got to change. Pride drove the devil out of heaven, and it drives us out of his kingdom. It's not about what I want. I want a lot of things. God, I want you to do all these things. I want you to do this stuff for me. But man, we got to be about kingdom business. It's whatever you want, I'll say yes to. Listen, let me just say this to you. I'm going to go off the cuff right now. My wife and I never set out to have 10 kids. That never was the option. I never, I don't even know how many. How many do we say we were going to have? Three. You want to come up here and help me preach the meaning <laughs> part of this? No, she hates me right now. Three kids. Three kids. I don't even remember when we negotiated that, but Three sounds right. I remember sitting at Olive Garden when I was dating her. You can keep playing it; it helps me sound better. Do you, you appreciate this man right here? Come on, he's amazing, man. When we sat at Olive Garden, I had I took her to Olive Garden, only the finest of restaurants from an Italian. We bring her to Olive Garden, and I remember as a kid, man, we were we were kids, right? I remember looking in her eyes and I say, you know, because we were talking about marriage. We were, I don't know, later in her teens, I don't know, early 20s. And I remember looking at her going, you know, I was a musician. I said, you ready to get married and travel the world with a rock star, all these things? (laughs) I believe at that moment, God said, hey, Holy Spirit, Jesus, come over, listen to this conversation. (laughs) This guy thinks he's going to be a rock star. (laughs) He's going to be stuck in his house with 10 kids. He, I didn't know. I didn't know what was getting ready to happen. So I come to Tennessee, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to be involved in worship, and this is what I'm made to do. I love doing this. And all of a sudden, God puts in our hearts, you're to start a church. And and this couple right here, Mike and Jody, they, they were crazy enough or dumb enough, however you want to look at it, to actually come along for the ride and help us start a church. I was part of church, but I didn't know how to start a church. And all I knew was, I knew, I knew because of our parents taught us, be obedient to what God says. Fast forward here, we We got past our three kids that we planned, and now we're in our 10th, and people say, you know, why do you have so many kids? What's wrong with you? Do you not have a TV in your bedroom? That's one of the questions they always ask. (laughs) Literally, when we were having, when Leanne was pushing out this baby, maybe an hour or two after, one of the nurses said, so when's the next one? I'm like, this baby is brand new. We're like a freak show. But see, what they don't understand is we said yes to the Lord. My wife has a whole testimony. I won't give it today, but has a whole testimony of how the Lord spoke to her. It's not easy saying yes to the Lord in everything. It's not easy going to the places that God tells you to go to, but it's fulfilling. It's rewarding. It's the best place to be. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would never go back in time and say, I just want three. We have ten kids. For some of you, you have two, you have five, you have one. And that's what God has called you. There's no shame or shade on you. But today I want to say this, whatever the Lord is telling you to do, say yes to it. Be obedient. What he's saying to you, church, today, and this is across the globe, he's saying, church, come together. Building our own kingdoms and ministries is never heaven's agenda. So what is God saying to you today? You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter, but sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.